gunfire, yelling, and machine gun popping rang out in the air as the destroyer fired upon her enemies. Airplanes whirred in the air, threatening to sink them at any moment. But now was their chance. One of the greatest Japanese battleships sat before them, and she was a sitting duck. Do they duck out of the airplane fire and save their skins, or do they stay and fight for glory? Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday. My name is Eleanor. Just a quick disclaimer for our younger audience before we dive in. This story may be disturbing to some, so viewer discretion is advised. Okay everyone, let's get into it. We have come to our final episode of Warship Month 2024. This episode happens to be very special for me. It is dedicated to my wonderful, loving, and supportive husband, our Commodore for this channel, Derek. His grandfather served aboard the Sperry, and so this episode is in his honor as well. With that being said, let's dive in. USS Charles S. Sperry was an Allen M. Sumner-class destroyer built for the United States Navy by the Federal Shipbuilding and Dry Dock Company in Kearney, New Jersey. She was named after Charles Stillman Sperry, the commanding officer of the legendary USS Yorktown PG-1, who would later become a rear admiral. The Sperry was laid down on October 19, 1943, in the midst of World War II, being sponsored by Miss M. Sperry, a relative of the ship's namesake. She was launched on March 13, 1944, being completed and passing her sea trials after that. She'd be commissioned on May 17, 1944, ready to enter the war. But before we enter the war with her, let's take a look at her specs. Like I briefly mentioned earlier, she was an Allen M. Sumner-class destroyer, which was a group of 58 destroyers and 12 destroyer mine layers built for the United States Navy during World War II. They were named after an officer in the United States Marine Corps during World War I, Captain Allen M. Sumner. This class is often abbreviated to the Sumner-class, and the Sumner-class destroyers were different than the ever-prevalent Fletcher-class in a few very distinct ways. Their twin 5-inch 38 caliber gun mounts, additional anti-aircraft weaponry, dual rudders, as well as many other design advancements. It cost roughly $8 million to make each Sumner-class ship, excluding armament. They were completed from 1943 to 1945, and the Sperry was one of those earlier models. Since she's an American beauty, her tonnages will be in Imperial tons. She displaced 2,200 tons standard, and fully loaded, she displaced 3,320 tons. In metric tons, that's a standard displacement of 2,235.3 metric tons, and 3,373.3 metric tons fully loaded. In Imperial measurements, she was 376 feet and 6 inches long, had a beam of 40 feet wide, and a draft of 15 feet and 8 inches deep. In metric measurements, that's a length of 114.76 meters long, a beam of 12 meters wide, and a draft of 4.75 meters deep. As designed, she could carry a complement of 336 officers and enlisted, though after a later refit, she'd have a reduced complement of 276 men. After her refit, she also had one helicopter and a helipad. As for propulsion, she was powered by four Babcock and Wilcox steam boilers, which powered two General Electric geared steam turbines, generating 60,000 horsepower or 45 megawatts to turn two screws. With this setup, she had an average service speed of 34 knots, which is 63 kilometers per hour and 39 miles per hour. 
That translates to 12,000 kilometers at 28 kilometers per hour, or 7,500 miles at 17 miles per hour. Now that we know the basics, let's look at her armament. She was armed to the teeth with six 5-inch or 130mm 38 caliber guns, 12 40mm anti-aircraft guns, 11 20mm anti-aircraft guns, and 10 21-inch or 533mm torpedo tubes. As for protection, she had a Mach 37 ship gun fire control system and an SC air and surface search radar system. This made her very well-rounded. Just like this episode! If you're enjoying this video, leave me a like, subscribe to the channel for more content, and let me know down in the comments section below. Alright, that's enough self-gratification, let's get into her wartime service. We know the specs and early history, let's get into World War II. The war with the Pacific had begun long before the Sperry's construction, having begun with the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941 in Honolulu, Hawaii. This thrust the United States into war in the Pacific, and this was the Sperry's purpose. The Sperry trained in the Hawaiian Islands until December 28, 1944, when she arrived in Ulithi, an atoll in the Caroline Islands of the Western Pacific Ocean. There, she joined the fast carrier force TP-38. For the rest of World War II, she'd be a part of the screen of the third group of this task force, designated both TP-38 and TP-58 at different points in the war. Her and her group sortied together for the first time on December 30th, heading for seas near Formosa and Luzon, where the carriers in their group launched attacks on Japanese bases here in order to prepare for the assault on the Lingayen Gulf beaches. They neutralized Japanese airfields as the force moved forward to Indochina, striking here and at Okinawa before heading back to Ulithi on January 26, 1945. On February 10, 1945, TF-58 and USS Charles S. Sperry sailed together again, preparing for the invasion of Iwo Jima. First on the schedule was a rather bold raid on Tokyo, being the first carrier strikes on Tokyo since the Doolittle Raid in April of 1942. From February 16th to the 17th, planes from the Sperry's task force dropped bomb after bomb on Tokyo, inflicting a difficult wound to heal on the Japanese's moral and material needs for the war effort. After this, Sperry and her task force's men offered direct support for the landings at Iwo Jima, with the task force coming under air attack from the Japanese on February 19th and from the 20th to the 21st. This would have been detrimental, however, USS Charles S. Sperry and the other screening ships provided anti-aircraft fire, alongside a protective smokescreen and evasive maneuvers, and this saved the task force of ships from taking significant damage. TF-58 added insult to injury with a final round of airstrikes on Tokyo and Okinawa, returning to Ulithi with their heads held high on March 5th. The task force would revert back to TF-38, and they left Ulithi on March 14, 1945 together, heading off for the Okinawa operation. This kept many ships, including USS Charles S. Sperry, at sea almost constantly up until June 1st. This continuous streak at sea started with airstrikes on Kyushu, with the Japanese retaliating with air attacks against TF-38 on March 19th and 20th. However, the Sperry survived. The Essex-class aircraft carrier USS Franklin was heavily damaged by this airstrike, and Sperry and other escorts in the task force provided anti-aircraft coverage to protect the rest of their fleet. Sperry and the other escorts in this group shot down several Japanese aircraft in this engagement. 
If you're on an audio-only format like Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, make sure to subscribe for more episodes and leave us a five-star review since it helps us reach more listeners like you. Check out our community tab on YouTube to keep up with us, and we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, back to the story. After Kyushu, the Sperry and her task force turned south for Okinawa. Sperry lent her guns in the bombardment of the Japanese airstrip on an extremely small yet critically located island called Minami Daitoshima on March 27th. She'd continue on to Okinawa, where the Americans began invading on April 1st, 1945. Sperry would be the radar picket and plane guard for her force during the invasion. While this was happening, the Japanese were forming a task force called Operation Ten-Go, which was the last major Japanese naval operation in the Pacific theater of World War II, and this would lead to the Battle of the East China Sea, which was part of the Battle of Okinawa. The Japanese superdreadnought battleship Yamato, cruiser Yahagi, and eight destroyers sailed to Okinawa on April 6th. However, the Americans had intercepted their plans and met them near Okinawa on April 7th. TF-38's carriers launched numerous planes that helped send Yamato, Yahagi, and four of their eight destroyers to the bottom of the Pacific. The Sperry fired many shots herself, sending several planes to the bottom as well. Kamikaze airstrikes were launched on TF-38 on April 11th, 14th, 16th, and 29th, as well as May 11th, 1945, and Sperry survived. Unfortunately, both the aircraft carriers USS Hancock and USS Bunker Hill fell prey to kamikazes, and Sperry remained close by, rescuing men from the water and providing damage control. Yamato was sunk that first day of the engagement on April 7, 1945. USS Charles S. Sperry would stay in San Pedro Bay in the Philippines from June 1st to July 1st, 1945, and after this, she'd move on to support carriers as they launched their final airstrikes on the Japanese home islands. Carriers from TF-38 and other task forces provided air cover for the first occupation landings and the evacuation of Allied prisoners of war. And then on August 31st, the task force arrived just off Tokyo Bay for the surrender of Japan ceremonies that were held on September 2nd. And this, my friends, concludes her World War II history. But hang on, we aren't done yet. This episode couldn't be possible without our lovely patrons. Thank you all so much. If you'd like to support the channel and future episodes, go to patreon.com slash shipwrecksunday to join. Okay, let's move on into the Korean War. Right after World War II, the Sperry stayed in the Far East. Here, she'd carry mail, participate in exercises, and patrol the waters until December 30th, 1945. Then, she left Sasebo and headed for the east coast of the United States, arriving in Baltimore on February 19, 1946. For a year, she'd stay in Boston with a reduced crew. She'd report for training duty in March of 1947, heading down to New Orleans, Louisiana, acting as a training ship for the Naval Reserve until July of 1950. She was then overhauled in Norfolk, Virginia, and headed back to the Far East for the Korean War on October 14, 1950. The Korean War is an important conflict that is often overlooked by the two wars sandwiching it in time, World War II and the Vietnam War, as well as the simmering conflict that was happening during this time, the Cold War. However, the Korean War was an important part of history and marked the time when North Korea invaded South Korea on June 25, 1950. Communist North Korea was backed by two communist superpowers, China and the Soviet Union, while South Korea was backed by the United States and the United Nations. 
The conflict would last for three years, ending in an armistice on July 27, 1953. SS Charles S. Sperry would take part in this conflict. She operated basically round the clock off Korea until June of 1951, and in her first two weeks there, she fired on shore installations at Songjin as well as patrolling areas that had been swept for mines to prevent mine layers from coming back, and screening shipping operations. In November and December of 1950, she continued bombarding the shore, screened salvage operations, and covered redeployments from Wonsan, Hongnam, and Kojo. Enemy onshore battery wasn't keen on being bombarded constantly, and they clapped back on December 23rd at Songjin, hitting the Sperry with three shells. Luckily, no one died aboard the Sperry when this happened, and she only sustained minor damage, being repaired at Sasebo early on in January of 1951. After this, it was back to Korea for the Sperry, and she covered salvage operations north of the 38th parallel as well as bombarding the coast. Operations began leading up to the blockade of Wonsan, and during this time, the Sperry entered the hazardous harbor of Wonsan on January 17, 1951 to provide covering fire for the landings securing the harbor islands. After clearing Wonsan on March 5th, she headed to Songjin in time for the siege, and up until June 6th, she was routinely patrolling and firing on shore installations. After this, she headed home to Norfolk, Virginia on July 2nd, 1951. After this, she moved into the operating schedule of Destroyer Force Atlantic. Charles S. Sperry sailed in and out of Norfolk from 1951 into 1960, heading out into the Atlantic. In 1953, 55, 56, 58, and 59, the Sperry was with the Sixth Fleet in the Mediterranean Sea. In 1956, the Suez Crisis was happening at the same time as her deployment, so she escorted the transports carrying evacuated Americans from Egypt. North Atlantic Treaty Organization exercises and midshipman cruises sent her to various northern European ports, some of them in coordination with her Mediterranean scheduling. In the latter half of 1959, she went in for a huge refit. She needed to be modernized and was outfitted with an anti-submarine helicopter called the Drone Anti-Submarine Helicopter, or DASH. Once her refit was completed, she was sent off to operate on the East Coast. Her home port during this time was Newport, Rhode Island, up into the late 1960s. During the summer of 1968, a year after the Summer of Love, she cruised into the warm, cerulean blue Caribbean Sea, heading for San Juan, Puerto Rico, in late June to act as the Navy's representative for the celebration feast of St. John, or San Juan, which is a national holiday in Puerto Rico. After this, we get into her time in the Chilean Navy. 29 ships of the Sumner class were sold to other navies to continue their service, and the Sperry was one of them. On January 8, 1974, SS Charles S. Sperry was sold to the Chilean Navy, being renamed to Ministro Centeno, D-16. She'd served the Chilean Navy faithfully and for many years, finally being stricken from service and scrapped in 1990. In total, USS Charles S. Sperry received four battle stars for her wartime service in World War II and four battle stars for her time in the Korean War. Of her sister ships in the Sumner class, only one made it to museum ship status, and that would be USS Laffey, DD-724. She is still preserved to this day as a memorial, being birthed at Patriots Point in Charleston, South Carolina, on the east coast of the United States. You can visit and explore her, and I will leave a link to the Patriots Point Naval and Maritime Museum for more information. 
Well, my friends, we finished Warship Month 2024 strong with a beast of a ship. Derek's grandfather served aboard her from 1965 to 68 as she patrolled near India and Vietnam. We thank him and all the veterans that served aboard her for their service, and may all of those who have passed away rest in peace. The Sperry will never be forgotten, and her service can never be underestimated. If you liked that story and wanted to catch up on the rest of Warship Month 2024, check out our playlist in the cards. Stay tuned next week for the story of SS Monte Carlo, a concrete ship that was grounded on Coronado Island on New Year's Day in 1937, and she was requested by one of our youngest viewers, Reed. Thank you, Reed. Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.